0: Hello friends. Welcome to the After Hours Lounge. Welcome back. If you are a regular listener, my name is Sandy. Uh, I am your host and I'm very excited about this one. I always kind of make a big deal about the guest in the intro, but then I realize you've already seen who it is uh, and I always introduce it as if you don't, but I'm going to carry that on because people seem to like it. Um, But I'm very honored to be joined by. um, Yeah. One of the most famous kite surfers in the world. I think you'll say we all know who he is. He is the man who jumped the pier. Uh, he is multiple times British champion, vice big air world champion uh, in 2016. Um, yeah, uh, uh, a mentor, a speaker, uh, a commentator, uh, Mr. Lewis Crathorne. Lewis, thank you so much for coming on the podcast.
1: Not a problem at all. Thank you very much for having me.
0: No, no, it's great. As, as I was saying just before we... Uh, just before we hit record, I always say that, you know, you do get some little magic before you hit record sometimes, but I'm always too scared to like, I can't sneakily hit record now. Cause it tells you, but you know, <laughs> uh, I was saying you've kind of, you've been on my list of people to talk to for a while, because I know you've, you know, you not only are you this kind of athlete and pro kiter and all this, you're, you're also very involved in a lot of kind of other aspects of the sport and kind of mentoring. And, and so, you know, you speak to a lot of schools and, and things like that. So I was like, Oh yeah, he's, he's very much a man who I want to speak to, but, um, yeah, they're a
1: good thing sometimes, isn't yeah. it? When, someone's on the, on you, when someone says you're on the list for uh, someone I want to talk to, but I'm glad it's in a positive way.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, no, it definitely is. And then, um, I mean, we'll we'll get onto it later. But I just have to say a, a little bit of fun that me and my friends have with uh, with windsurfing, and sure you'll know it from well, you know, kite surfing and windsurfing there. I wouldn't say they're in competition but they are two kind of similar-ish sports and i know like when i've been traveling through the airport and things like that people always oh what have you got in there and and all this stuff and my couple of my friends have had people go up to them and be like oh are you the guy that jumped the pier do you know the guy that jumped the pier (laughs) (laughs) so it's quite funny being actually speaking to you now and you are the man who jumped the pier
1: (laughs) <laughs> it is amazing how, it, in my eyes, something so so simple to jump over a thing with all the technical moves that there, there is in kiteboarding, something so simple as a big jump over something really was able to get to more you know, more of an audience than just your normal kiteboarders. It was a real eye opening thing that for me.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was one of those things actually in the, in the lead up to doing this podcast, the last few days I've watched the, there's kind of a documentary on, on YouTube about you sort of doing, doing that jump and things like that. But Kind of going back to sort of just before that can you just give us a you know anyone listening who may not be familiar with kite surfing or or anything like that can you just give us a brief kind of who who you are and what you do how you how you got into the sport and kind of what what led up to that point which was yeah 11 years ago now 2010 you you jumped that pier can you just give us a brief sort of history on on your introduction to to the sport
1: of course so uh, i'm lewis crathen i was born in 1985 from worthing as a young boy i was very much into sports Um, I live by the beach, my parents brought me up on the beach uh, in East Worthing, I've got two brothers, one's two years older, one's two years younger, and we're all very talented sportsmen, my dad was a semi-professional football player, Oh, cool! and my mum and dad became county squash players, and we very much were into racket sports and everything possible. I went to high school, I didn't want to get a full-time job, because I wasn't sure what I was, I, I didn't want to do something I didn't love to do, so I went to college to further prolong not having to go to work (laughs) um um, you'll find this interesting that whilst i was at college i um bought a windsurfing kit out of the friday ad well i didn't buy it it was free i convinced my dad to put it on the roof of his sierra and uh he he took it back home and i stood there just standing on the sail as best as as i could stand up and didn't know even which way to face it because the internet was still its early days in the year 2000. So I worked out how to windsurf and did so for two years before I saw kite surfing take off when I was about 17, 18. And I was very drawn to the aerial side of it because I was always into the springboards and diving boards as a kid. And in, within the space of about a year and a half, I won the the British tour, one of the tours. And basically that was it. I was like, this is what... I want to do and then the rest is history as they say but you mentioned to me actually at the start of this today that you know I was already a pro before I jumped the pier I was living in my van barely you know making a living when that pier stuff happened so that was really the moment I I see that made my my career happen
0: yeah the, oh that's that's really interesting actually because that was that kind of leads me nicely on to my next question and it's something with with these kind of sports you know it's Whilst you you are you know a, a professional and and all that kind of thing, it's not like sort of football or something like that, where as soon as you win a competition, suddenly, you know, people are like, right, we want to hand you these enormous contracts and 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 all this kind of thing. I guess it comes with that kind of subculture of water sports as well. But something I'm always interested in is when when someone starts a, into a career like this and they're so obviously hugely talented and passionate. Like, was there a kind of spark moment for you when it was like? Oh my god um this is this is what I want to do this is it or did it kind of happen slowly from you sort of windsurfing and then being like oh the kite looks fun and I don't know maybe you've just answered this
1: question but was no i i think that's a fair question you know what i feel you're asking me is did i start out with an ambition to make this my career no i didn't i just started out doing it cuz i was overwhelmed by how much fun it was yeah and i all i wanted to do was do it and i think that's a great message for young people uh, or anyone in general that something you're passionate about if you really put your heart and soul in it 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 can eventually become your job with enough dedication so it more just sort of slowly morphed into it you know so it was never planned i guess
0: yeah that's interesting and often that's actually a quite a common answer for people people like yourself uh, you know people who have achieved what you've achieved usually it kind of they they say a very similar thing to you they're like you know it kind of it happened naturally and purely out of passion rather than a desire. They they were kind of focused on the journey rather than the end, if you know what I mean, focusing mm. on actually enjoying it and getting better at something they love doing rather than going, right, I want to be on a podium, you know? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I yeah. think it starts that way and then it slowly transitions until the, until the sort of realization that you, you know, this is your job and it's your income and your living and you have to pay the bills. And then you go to sort of the next stage of your career where you start looking a bit more sideways. I mean, you, you mentioned that you've spoken to Sam Light already on your, um, on your show, and he's just one of maybe five or six incredibly talented Brits that have made it, in my opinion, very inspired by them. You know, Aaron Hadlow and Tom Court, James Balding, Hannah Whiteley, people like that that have just done such big things. So you've kind of got to look to find your own niche really in in an industry like this where there's not thousands of kiteboarders that are professionals but I've been lucky to have guys and girls like that around to help motivate me
0: yeah definitely and then going 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 back I mean let's let's talk about the the peer for a little bit because from what you've just said it sounds like that was kind of the moment where you were like right you know you were living in your van and then you, you did that and you were like right now I'm a You know, you were catapulted into the limelight, basically. Um, I mean, I watched like the BBC News, and there was the man going, Well, it's a bit dangerous and people shouldn't be doing it. And what was, (laughs) what was, what was the, I mean, you know, and again, there's an entire documentary about it. So we don't necessarily need to talk about it for too long, but what was, um, what was the idea behind it? Were you were you kind of doing it, being like, if I do this, loads of people are going to see it and it's going to be great, or was it like a again? Was it a this is just something I want to tick off the bucket list because I know I can do it?
1: You know, I I think it was it was definitely not um, to get the attention. I was ne- I was never aware of how much or had any idea. Could never imagined how you know much exposure I would have had. Um, and I think anything you do set out with that idea never works because it's not authentic and it's not genuine and you're in it for the wrong reasons I'm often asked by people would you do this one or that one and actually the reason why I set out to do those two things um, was that they're my local landmarks and actually the first pier I did with a friend Jake who jumped over first but the camera guys I had ready to film that, had no idea how to film kiting, and he just jumped out the top of their frame, you know. They were like Oh, no. on the pier. So then, and it was wonderful. He wasn't a, a sponsored rider or anything. He was always a great big air rider, and still is. And he was just so passionate. He just rocked up there and just went straight over. And I'd said to them, like, right, 11 on the dot, we're going to do it. And the big clock on Worthing Pier actually said, I think, quarter to 11. So they completely missed his jump. Then I went over. My jump went all around everywhere that was great and then actually the competitor inside me said that I wanted to do Brighton Pier which I felt was a bigger pier and that I wanted to do something for the first time too and I respected that he had done that Um, but I was ready for a whole year for that opportunity to do Brighton Pier and it was as simple as that I couldn't live I couldn't have lived my life if someone else had done that before me I felt like I had the ability and i wanted to grow older and know that i took that challenge on so that was purely the 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 reason behind it
0: yeah that's that that's really interesting because it's like a it's like a competitive thing but it's not necessarily competitive against anyone else isn't it it's it's competitive with yourself and it's something i've talked about a lot um on previous episodes is you you tend to regret things that you don't do far more than the things that you you do do um, if you know
1: 100%, I mean. 100% and I think that um, everybody can relate to actually with all the things going on in life with social media, their, their news, their phones, the digital age that actually when you're simply you know pushing yourself for a challenge actually they're the best moments in yeah. life and they're the ones that I crave the most and from what I learned about myself doing those things you know I, I never you never really know you're going to do something until you put yourself in that position. And that's what those things were all about. I put myself in the best position on the water where then I could ask the question of myself, can I take this on? And I responded in a way that I didn't know I had it in me. It was a very big lesson I learned about myself.
0: Yeah, and it's 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 such an amazing thing as well because you learn that lesson at the start of your career. I, I'd imagine a lot of athletes and things, they learn that lesson sort of halfway through or when they reach the kind of peak of their athletic career or e- perhaps even towards the kind of end of it when they're thinking about right this is going to be the kind of swan song mm-hmm. but you literally by the sounds of it learned it right at the start you know just as it was getting going
1: well it, it's kind of strange like it, it was either it could have been at the start it could have been at the end I didn't know at what point I was in my career at the time of doing that I was a four times British champion and I was frustrated that I was barely making a living and hadn't you know, I, I, it wasn't working just doing the competition scene, and I'd actually stopped the year before. Sam Light was getting pretty hot, and I thought, right, he's going to beat me next year. I'm definitely not <laughs> signed all my yearly contracts, and didn't even. I just turned up and started commentating at the event. So it really was a saving grace that I had this in the bag. That they were, what well, my sponsors at the time were happy that you know I gave myself an extra year. And, and you know it really helped me think like wow there must be so many other ways that you know it's all about exposure really in some ways being a, an athlete no matter how you look at it and this opened my eyes to other ways that i could you know engage people about kiteboarding so it was it was almost the end in some ways but then it was the start at the same time too you're right i think
0: yeah that's 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 a really interesting way of looking at it and i've always thought with It's difficult with sports like kite surfing, windsurfing, even surfing as well and things where it's not necessarily kind of like a scoreboard. You can't really score a point. I mean, you can do a certain move and people have come up with a system and things like that. So almost these sports kind of, they're more informed to do things like that. Like, you know, uh, I can't can't think of the word now, but like, you know, huge, like, experimental like right we're going to go and do this strike mission somewhere and make a video of it or let's we're going to go yeah like jumping up here it couldn't couldn't be any more perfect to describe it really it's the perfect um yeah kind of stunt almost to do yeah um, yeah
1: like, yeah our sports are so um random you know like they're so you need the weather you need all these elements that you can't just go out and do every day so i think extreme sports are it just shapes who you are as a person, and you know you're so ready to go and do anything because it's the right time to do it. You know, and that's what the, the magic about certainly kiteboarding is to me. In sports like this, yeah. And then, um,
0: in the in the kind of documentary when you came in after you jumped the pier, you looked you looked kind of very relaxed, and you were like, "Oh yeah, you know, I'm gonna quite quite chilled." And you said, "You know, you kind of you were getting a lot of attention, and you almost wanted to kind of go." go back in I mean what were what were the what was the following kind of week or two like after I mean was it immediately like kind of every brand phoning and going right yeah we want to sponsor you and we want the video and because that was even 2010 was kind of still sort of almost pre social media wasn't it it wasn't like you put it on Instagram and went viral yeah. what, what was that kind of you, you said that was almost I guess a catalyst moment what was that period like was it a real transition
1: well, you said, you mentioned that I came in quite chilled and relaxed. If you watch that whole documentary, most of the documentary, I am pretty chilled and relaxed, to be honest with you. And a lot of the years at that time, I was very chilled and relaxed. But the, the way things were off the, at that point, I hadn't really, you know, got off the water and it was pretty relaxed. But I didn't know that the next minute my phone would go berserk for <laughs> two weeks. It was the most incredible experience. And I'm so happy that it was at a time where, um social media wasn't a big thing and I wasn't you know I only joined social media in 20 about 2013 or 2014 um we'll talk about that in a bit about my thoughts and feelings towards social media but there was none of that around and it was very um genuine and it was it was just you know people when newspapers were ringing and shows were ringing and I was on Russell Howard's Good News and I was on ITV News and it was just wow. it was it would you know it was so incredible it was hard to ex- explain like to have that much limelight it was really a wonderful experience that I'll never forget you know and the phone went off and I was like who's it going to be this time and it was yeah. be some newspaper in Germany or Australia or something it was it was crazy it was really special
0: that's amazing as well, because I guess it's it, it's one of those things that completely transcended the industry. And that doesn't happen often in kite surfing, windsurfing, because like you said at the start, it's one of those things where generally it, it's so kind of complicated to look at. And they're doing all these twists and tricks. It, it doesn't necessarily yeah. appeal to the masses because it is so it's to the it's so far to the extreme. It doesn't appeal to a lot of people, whereas someone kicking a ball in a goal, you're like you can be like, oh, he, you know, that. I can appreciate that a bit more. So to have transcended and suddenly, like you said, I had no idea you're on Russell Howard and all that stuff. That oh, must've been. It was,
1: it was incredible, but you know, t- what you just touched on there is exactly true. And I think every human being has an inner desire or dream of flying and to see a person fly over a thing, it was simplified so much kiteboarding with a kite to see that they, they got it. They were like, that's, that's kiting. And, and ironically, kiteboarding had been going through a very tough time to be understood with it so much focus was on the freestyle wake style side of it from which kiting started in the early days as all big air and it went completely the other way and then after those jumps i'm not saying it was those jumps at all but there has been a very big um resurgence in big air now and it's arguably one of the biggest disciplines in kiteboarding now what with the king of the air and, and red bull mega getting such Um, investment and backing and the numbers are just incredible viewing so it's it's been amazing that at that time I turned to what my love which was big air and it came back tenfold and I'm still involved in it now so Mm. yeah it was a big thing for me
0: without I mean this is perhaps a difficult question because you're 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 clearly like a, a very kind of humble humble chap but I mean what what was the what was the effect do you think from you doing that on the sport of kiteboarding, how did, how did you've said kind of how the media, how how did the industry react? And then, you know, it's a difficult question for me to ask you and I appreciate It's Mm -hmm. awkward, but like, do you feel like that genuinely kind of completely changed the, changed the sport?
1: No, I don't think it, completely change the sport but i think it certainly would have got some attention you know just like like i had saw wow this is actually getting through to the normal people you know that's yeah. surely the goal of most sports certainly like yours and mine where they're not everyday sports like football and yeah. things like that which everyone sees on tv you want you know everybody wants it to be seen a bit more and understood even brand you know obviously the brands that sell the equipment think that too and the way competitions are designed to get more crowds there i like to think it had a small influence in it but i couldn't sit here and say you know it was that big air just boomed after that it just was you know the right place the right time and obviously kiteboarding was ready for that it just needed that spark maybe yeah yeah
0: absolutely well that yeah that's that's a great way of saying it i think it was it, it perhaps was a bit of a a spark and a moment that people were like oh this is kind of seeing what's what's possible i guess um, well, certain,
1: certainly, certainly in the UK, what I've noticed is when we get the storms or the very bad weather during winter, where there's not so much positive things to report, that's really a golden time I've learned. And it was November, December time, and it was the perfect time to have that story go big. I didn't know it would go more globally, but you're always on to a winner in the UK if you do some big stuff out on the water and yeah. it's uh, in the winter. They love a bit of that on the news. It's positive.
0: Yeah. Well, the UK, if anything, the, 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 UK loves talking about weather. So anything, anything yes. you can, <laughs> yes, you know, and then, yeah, like, like even, you know, for me and stuff, you know, I, I'm from the Highlands of Scotland and whenever I've windsurfed up there, people walk in their dog and they go, Oh, you're, you're mad. And I can't believe you're doing that. <laughs> you know, they're immediately, they're they curious, you know, they're like, what are you doing going out? When it's like this, you know, Yeah. it's, it's always, it's always a talking point for, uh, for the, for us Brits. Um, so kind of moving moving forward then I kind of said uh you know we we'll skip a, skip ahead a few years I'm really intrigued to talk to you about social media we'll do that um in in a bit but before that um you know skip ahead as you said you know suddenly big air started to become a thing and they they had kind of competitions and the kind of main one from what I can gather looking outside to to you know inside to the industry um is the Red Bull King of the Air in in Cape Town um I was—I I kind of said you—you you had a very, very big crash in 2016. I was actually weirdly—I was on the beach. Uh, I was in Cape Town for the winter that year um, with a load of friends, and and we we kind of saw it. And it was, it was, it was like a, a real a real crash. Um, it wasn't just like, you know, you fall in and you're like, oh, my back. Like you, yeah. you, yeah, you, yeah, you are allowed to swear by the way, but you, you really fucked yourself up. <laughs> um, yeah. You, yeah. Um, it was one of those
1: crashes where you wake up a week later. that's that's a, it, yeah. To describe well,
0: it. yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that I, I said before we hit record, that was the rumor we were all in Cape town and everyone was like, we, cause a couple of our friends knew some kiters and stuff and saw them and they're like, Oh, Lewis is still in hospital and he's asleep. And you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, he's still in a coma and things like that. And we were like, damn, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't believe it. It was a, all I remember, it was, uh, it was a really, really, really windy day is, is yeah. one thing. We were trying to swim surf on the lake in the morning and it was already too windy.
1: Yeah. Um, so well, we were like, um, you know. From my, well, I'll talk you through the, the, the day from my perspective, if you like, and how Absolutely. that was. But from, please. my, from my perspective, it was uh, from kiting where I kite on the South coast. It was, it was a more than handleable day and it's the day i've waited for and always dream of at king of the air it was i would describe 35 maybe touching 40 knots at the peak was how i felt it was it wasn't beyond what it does here you know so i'm no. used to that on the south coast and it was i was in the semi-finals and i was I commentate the event as well from the beach which is a unique thing to do but i find it chills me out i get to go into a different place and kiting becomes my break and I I I like that so yeah i would got to the semi-finals I'd beaten some good guys everyone said oh this was the year you should have won it and then um looking back at the footage um when I did so in hospital I really I'd actually made a mistake um a terrible mistake actually a beginner's mistake if you like I pulled too hard on one side of the bar and it caused the kite to go round more than 360 degrees and then end up a bit out the side, so I lost lift. Um, but I've managed to forgive myself about that now. I, really, I thought something entirely different had happened when I was having my crazy dreams in the coma, but um, it turned out that I made a bit of a piloting error, possibly with the strongest gust of the day, where there was maybe a touch of my kite did something a bit funny. But I just the, the wave actually broke as I took off it just broke the top of the wave and it t- it just turned me even 20 degrees more of an angle than i needed to be with the move move i was going for so yeah as i went i ended up backwards and you never end up backwards much with kiting it's like like a cat lands on its feet you always find forwards and i couldn't find forwards and i was decided to try one way then the other then one way and then I could and I actually to this day I still felt I could have landed that so I never braced for impact or anything um big crash and then you maybe you can fill everyone in and what happened after I crashed
0: before I carry on (laughs) yeah I guess I guess you weren't you weren't quite there but all I all I I, I remember is it just took ages they were like fat there was a bit of kind of like do we need to pull him out the water and then one of the other uh riders he like he just, the guy you were competing against, was it Lass Walker? Lass Walker? No,
1: he'd already done himself the, the, the heat before. That was it, yeah, 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 yeah. Not, not as bad, but um, Reno, the Brazilian guy, had come to me and recognised that, I mean, he said he rode over to me and just saw lines going through the water. There was no person. I'd, I'd done what's called submarine in, in kiting where the board starts moving slowly with the kite still pulling and I was going down. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he got to me and, um, he made the decision to get rid of his equipment and to try and push me up out of the water. Um, the whole time, as you know, they were scrambling to get a boat out. The waves were huge. There was no jet ski on the water. Um, and then he got blasted by a wave and that was the end of him being close to me. And then a big South African, big old oak of a bloke called Andres Fari kept his kite with him and managed to drag me in a bit further. But the real reason I got into the beach was actually the miracle that my kite ended up over that side of the window and was still slowly pulling me back to the shore. And that's how, uh, with the help of Andres also grabbing me around my neck, he's a very experienced coach as well. And so with those two who you know really, I believe, helped save my life, I got to the beach and was able to get some breaths in but the, the the pictures are pretty graphic of what i looked like i mean you you probably saw that i was i don't know waterfalls of water coming out my mouth yeah. and eyes and nose and I, I think um only actually only you could tell the, the scene because i wasn't there and i don't have an attachment to yeah i mean we like.
0: we I, I, as i said uh, by on the day by that point it was like hundreds of people and we we didn't get a look in. we were kind of on the grass a bit further up but I remember watching um is it chapter one the kite surf movie great a yeah. great film there's a section in that about it and there's a someone was filming one point and as like you said it's literally just you know it's it's like you were basically drowning and and yeah yeah, I had drowned.
1: yeah there was fairly much you know going on for breathing wise and then you know the pictures are very graphic and it's just hot that I look at them and don't even feel like I'm looking at me it's very you strange know. you know because I, I very briefly woke up actually complaining in the life-saving tent to, to my partner who's um, funny enough well not funny enough she's South African and I met her at the King of the Air event a year before yeah. she, was do- she was doing the catering and I she's now immigrated here and lives with me in um in in worthing so but the year on from meeting her there and doing a long distance relationship there she was like devastated about me in that vision i remember saying oh my ribs hurt my ribs hurt and then that was that i passed out again and then i went into the most surreal psychedelic dreams of i've written all of it down the pages of the things i dreamed up and thought and for 10 days i was in the placed an in induced coma, as you know, um, with nobody able to actually say to my parents or family that I would how I would be. You just don't know when someone's in a coma if they have done damage due to lack of oxygen or things like that. So, yeah, that was pretty crazy. That's <laughs> um
0: that's mental that you 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 were dreaming while you were in the coma and you wrote it wrote it all down oh,
1: all, all the sounds of the king of the air event was still so fresh in my head and yeah. how i was doing and the noises and and it was and then i thought i'd invented a new move i thought i'd invented a double mega loop and what i thought had happened to me was ridiculous i thought i'd invented a new move you know big bait very well yeah. i thought i would jumped and landed in karmas. i thought i would jumped on the big Bay Beach landed the other side of the rocks in yeah. and I thought I'd landed at the same time all the other competitors in, in my heat had landed, and I had got stuck under their boards that were all locked together, and that's why I had drowned. That's why I, I woke up convinced that had happened, and I also woke up thinking it was the same day. So I was like, Oh, have I done good? You know, like that was very strange waking up with my dad. Um, my mum and dad who'd recently visited Cape Town but had then gone home and then had, had to fly back out and that was the moment I looked at my dad's eyes I knew that something was serious I couldn't talk much because I had a tracheotomy right. I had the thing in me but it was like um, it's, it's hard to explain that moment it was like being a two or three year old again and looking at your father's eyes or your parents eyes and knowing that something was serious but I felt that it was okay you know like it was a, it really brought me back to some very early feelings as a as a young you know very almost a baby seeing your parents there a situation like that but from then on it was incredible it was all po- positive really
0: yeah i mean it's
1: yeah
0: i've always fascinated you know because i guess because you as you said you were kind of put in a coma rather than like being in one yourself maybe mm. maybe that might and i'm i'm a complete dumber so anyone listening can maybe speak uh, a bit further <laughs> to this but look perhaps like you you know because you were induced in a coma maybe part of your brain was still kind of working even though you were mm-hmm. technically asleep so you're still dreaming and there's still things yeah. going on and i guess i guess you were probably in in a in a huge amount of shock as well from the impact and the crash but because you were knocked out, you know, that maybe there was something going on there and that's why it was also so vivid and things. But that's amazing that you still kind of, you remembered it long enough to go, right, yeah. I'm going I'm to jot this down. I'll make a great memoir one day.
1: <laughs> oh, they're just, yeah, they were too good to, to let go. But the, the period of time that I woke up and I had, a, you know, people always talk about when they, I wouldn't say nearly lost their life, but I guess I wasn't far away. What with the amount of, you know, my oxygen, my sorry, my lungs were over 70% full of water and the x-rays wow. show a lot of water in there. So I think that that amount of salt water and the effect it has on your, your your body and your body ends up doing yourself in, trying to actually recover from that. So even when I was brought out of it I was sort of coming to, I remember quite a few nights and days of extreme pain and feeling like I understand when people talk about fighting for your life. I, I felt like... But, but I loved it. The challenge of it was like it was right up my street to have that feeling of like, no, I can't. You know, I've I lost the plot a bit in there. You know, you really feel bad and you like and you you know, you, you're looking at your breathing and, and you can't breathe very well. So the machine's doing it for you and you can, you could easily panic and mess it up. I had so many lovely messages from all around the world, all up yeah. on the wall, stuck there, that that was definitely what got me through those hard yeah. times.
0: Yeah, it's, it, that, that's one of the amazing things, I suppose, because, you know, with these kind of extreme sports and, and things like that, because it is a slightly smaller sport and things, when when something like, you know, that does happen, I guess it's it's very, it's kind of similar, but the opposite of when you jump the pier and everyone went mental. It's like, it's like the, the same thing, but because of a negative uh, event. I was about
1: to say to you, it was like the pier all over again. And you know how it is with news. There's no bad story. So it wasn't even like it was a, the negative it was like oh my god this i was like wow what a result i've got the exposure of doing a peer all over again and i didn't even land this one so you know there were so many positives out of it and it was just like i described with the peer thing where the phone was going and i was getting news stories i covered all my incentives no problem for my sponsors. that I was going to say yeah because i got in all the magazines so it was just like that all over again and it was actually very um humbling to the, the, all the people that you actually either didn't know or do know that are very close to you in your life they all come out of the woodwork at times mm. like that you certainly realize who they are and that was um one of the most amazing things about it but, you know including my partner who was amazing and suddenly became my manager because I couldn't you know I've never had a manager and she was doing all the calls and she, she barely knew my parents and she was so good and she actually emigrated after I woke up you know, within a year of me, she came back to the UK with me in, in that state and she's been here ever since. So it was, uh, it was great. It also shone the spotlight on safety. And I, I believe I was the right guy for that to have happened with, you know, I care about things like that. And the event has changed a lot now as far as how we do things. And I'm happy that I could be that person that had that experience because someone has to take one for the team sometimes. Yeah, I think that's
0: that's a really important thing, and that's that's great what you said there that they've they've kind of adjusted it and 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 things like that. Because without 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 bad mouthing it, you know, anyone or I don't I don't want to take anything away from the the local teams or anything like that. But I, I I did feel like there was perhaps a bit of a a bit of a delay on like getting getting to you and 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 things like that. And it's yeah. it's it's difficult. And I guess you know we're very being being from the UK. You know, there's an awful lot of red tape here, isn't there? There's an awful mm. lot of health and safety for anything. You know even yeah. if you want to go and buy a, buy a burger from somewhere, it's had to go through however many inspections and all, and all that stuff. Um, yeah. So yeah, no, that's, yeah, that's, that's a really interesting way of, um, of, of looking at it as well. And it's, it's quite cool that you're like, yeah, might as might as well have, um, might as well yeah, have been. I, I
1: don't hold any resentment towards them. I've seen the videos. I know it was a long time to, well, oh. if not, it was a long time for my own kite to drag me back. But, yeah. you know, like, well, you know, it's just life. Sometimes you kind of, things have to happen for you to put things in place. Do you know what I mean? The the event had been safe. Nothing had happened in all the years gone by. And now it's another level We have multiple jet skis, guys there that are used to dealing with, you know, towing surfers at dungeons and all the big crazy places, all ready to jump in off jet skis. It it needed, maybe not as um, intense as that, but it happened to be like that. And I'm (laughs) glad it's, I don't hold any resentment that, you know, it wasn't perfect my recovery was is what it is
0: yeah exactly um and then something really interesting that you said you said earlier was actually when you were recovering and things like that it wasn't like a oh you know as as a lot of people may imagine it to be it wasn't like a, oh you know you're will i ever kite again and all this stuff it was very much like a, i'm gonna do this and i'm gonna smash through this barrier you know just like just like when i jumped over the pier or just like when i you know won a title anything like that um was there any kind of you Know as you improve more and more, and you thought, right, maybe I'm ready to get back on a board and things. Was there any kind of you know mental struggles there? Was there you know perhaps a bit of PTSD almost and, and things like that? Or was it just you as another challenge to come overcome?
1: No, I think I think um, I think it depends who you are and how you're wired. Um, and my you know, I always hear that story about you, you know, you're going to get back on the horse, and it doesn't, yeah. I don't even understand that story, like, I'm quite methodical about my thoughts and uh, once I'd seen the video I was just thinking well obviously I made a mistake but I've I've landed worse than that hundreds of times in my kite in life and been fine you know it was just a one-off that that happened and I'm comfortable you know in the light that that was just a one-off thing that's happened and I never felt you know I've pushed myself ever since I was kiting again in about six weeks actually too early to be honest with you but The, the, just to cover the period after that it was the most incredible time of my life again uh, don't do anything sit down watch I was at my partner's amazing house that no <laughs> parent just watch football for ages don't do anything so they've got all the games on out in South Africa that we have in the Premier League so for about two months I just sat and I, I was even allowed to drink beers after a while the most chilled out relaxing uh, time to get better you know obviously I had some training to doing stuff but it was just amazing imagine in your life everybody coming to you and being like don't do anything relax (laughs) just chill just sleep like for two months everyone just so like don't do anything we've got it all covered it was like you know it's almost like a break of life you don't get a break in life but that was a true break for two or three months it was it was incredible
0: yeah that's such a that's such a positive way to look at it because i i I, as you said you know if you had been wired slightly differently or uh, well, I guess it's difficult to say because you may not have been in that position in the first place but perhaps you know someone who perhaps didn't feel quite as mentally strong and things that that could be a real setback for, for someone's career having an accident like that
1: yeah I think I'm, I'm, I'm very fortunate my mum's um, a life coach NLP trained life coach and she's oh, really cool. had a she's had she doesn't hasn't, she train me or anything but I think she's had a big influence on um, and obviously my dad but just who I've become is you know I've learned a lot from her too and uh, I think that sort of um subconscious thinking has been a part of my life for a long time.
0: Yeah. I guess having well, from what you said as well, for you being able to look at what happened and, and know, right, actually no, it was it was completely my fault. It was my mistake mm-hmm. and 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 I did it, it 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 kind of puts that in a bit of a box, doesn't it? Rather than going, you know, a lot of people, oh, it was a it was just a freak accident or it was a random yeah. gust of wind a random offshore gust of wind or whatever. And it's like, no, I put my hand on the wrong bit of the bar and I pulled too hard. So, yeah. you know, if you if you can take that and, and know that that's what it was, it kind of becomes less of a sort of like mythical, you know, accident, huge sort of event in your life. And you go, no, nah, it, it was just a really, really bad crash. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: I, yeah, I think that that um, can be applied to a lot of things in life. I wouldn't I still haven't taken 100 percent responsibility. I'd say it's more like 70, yeah. 30. There, yeah, there yeah, was yeah. that there was that highest <laughs> gust of the day that hit at that time in my kite. Didn't recover as I would have liked, but you know, deep down, I know that I played a big part yeah. in that. And and I think what you're touching on there, Sandy, is taking responsibility for your actions. And I think that if you're able to do that, the the earlier you can take responsibility, the the, the quicker you can start looking for solutions, you know, and, and positive thinking about how you can go forwards rather than the blame game, you know. Yeah,
0: yeah, definitely. That's that's really something that I've. I've kind of, you know, worked on it, maybe not responsibility, but for me, it's like accountability. So I guess it's the same thing, mm. but I'm just like very much like always hold yourself accountable for whatever, whatever you're doing, whether it's whether it's quitting your job to go and do something different or, you know, crashing, having a huge crash kite surfing in a competition, you know, anything like that, you know, a relationship, anything like that, but being, being accountable for one's own actions to me is a huge part of, of, you know, getting through life well, mm, you know what I mean? Definitely. Um, so moving on then, perhaps moving, moving away from kite serving slightly, I mean, you've achieved so much in the sport and, and you know, you still are. You're now, uh, you're still like commentating the events. You're still, you know, competing in, in the king of the air every year, you know, things like that. Um, but you, you've kind of moved into sort of um, motivational speaking, for lack of a better term. You know, you, you do a lot of talks in schools. You're kind of mentoring um, you know th- things like that is that is that something you'd always wanted to get into I know you said there your mum your mum's a life coach I think was was that something in the back of your head?
1: Um, do you know what no really it was this all came about from being invited to my old high school in sort of 2007 or 8 so still at the early days of my career where they were just interested in what I was doing you know as a professional kiteboarder even though it wasn't so glamorous back then Um, and I went in and spoke and I actually felt like I enjoyed it and that kiting was quite an exciting subject and it sort of led on from there where I've, I've learned that kite surfing is such an incredible tool that you can engage young people with or well, not not just young people everybody but young people especially because <laughs> I remember how it was when visitors came into school and they're very judgmental of you in in schools and certainly high schools but kiting just yeah. powers through all of it and like you said at the start the peer thing is so exciting they know all about that and that's my ace of spades if I'm not getting much yeah <laughs> what, I whip that video and then I've got the respects but um, it, there's just so many good messages that you can relate to you know schools are often doing terms on the wind the weather the beach the olympics how to stay healthy things like that are just so easy to relate kiteboarding to you know sustainability thinking you yeah. know the kites are just there's such an eco-sport we do, I've learned that it's very easy to sort of tailor my talks and chats and assemblies to, to whatever it is they're doing, um, and it's, it's really been amazing for me. It's helped me get some great partnerships with um, people like the Rampion Offshore Wind Energy Farm that we have here in Worthing, and, and that's just led to partnering up with um, a major corporation actually called the Global Wind Energy Council, um which i'm the ambassador for for what we're doing and working with the young people so it started as a sort of you know taking a risk i guess which is an important message for everybody i wasn't totally positive about my old teacher being like you know i loved school and stuff it was like you know when he said you want to come in and chat to the whole school you know, i was like well i don't want to do that you know but i took, <laughs> i said yes to it and i took that challenge on and that risk it was a risk it could have gone horrendously bad and i'd be laughed out of school but yeah (laughs) it went went all right and i really owe what i'm doing now down to that start of that you know that that chain which i said yes to so it's developed really nicely and it's something i'm really passionate about and i think that it's a wonderful thing to do to give the power of the wind into someone's hand especially a, a young person
0: yeah well, exactly. I mean, it, it just goes back to what you, what you've been talking about this whole time of just kind of taking on taking on some some sort of new new challenge. And I imagine a lot of people uh, listening, and probably myself included, like t- to stand up in front of a load of kids is far more intimidating than standing up in front of a load of adults because they don't they don't necessarily have that filter perhaps. And they go, you know, who the, who the fuck is this guy telling me that I need yeah. to go and do this, you know, and, and kids will do that. Whereas adults don't, you know, they've usually Def- got.
1: Definitely the high school kids, they're very, yeah. very young. But the, but the young, the sort of primary school ones are just incredible. They shout yeah. and they cheer and they don't have any, you're, you're right, no filter and they, they really can be a rewarding age group to work with that's probably one of my my deep down my real passions is to work with them because they're just so they're so haven't been affected by full-time work money phones social media they're they're, they're like they're just all fresh and like how I would love the world to be you know and it's lovely to spend time with them and see how they are so yeah I I love that side of my my job
0: yeah well they they just haven't like you said, they haven't they haven't been exposed to enough to become cynical about a lot of things yet, and <laughs> yeah, especially yeah. in this in this day and age. I mean, we'll, we will you know kind of come on to it now a bit, you know, with with things like social media and things. Unfortunately, that cynicism is only becoming instilled in us at a younger and younger age. You know, I'm mm. I think I'm I'm 29 now, and I think I'm basically like the last sort of generation of people who who didn't really grow up with social media. Like I didn't mm. I didn't really get Facebook until. I mean, I was on like Bebo and stuff, but that didn't really, I don't think that counts, but I I didn't really get Facebook until I was sort of 17, you know, 18, things like that. So whereas now, like my girlfriend's a school teacher, she's a year six teacher, so like 11-year-olds, and they've all got new iPhones and they're all on Mm -hmm. TikTok and she has to sort out, they're all, you know, bullying each other and stuff, not just in person at school where you can sort it out, but on on social media. And it's like, where's the line, where does the line get drawn here where, you know, it it needs to be
1: it really is terrible with that how that's all happened that this is what i've got by with for a very long time oh nice a <laughs> nokia thing that i never really take around and i tried um for a very long time actually to just go phoneless, to have yeah. no nothing on me you know like i like not being um reachable or yeah. yeah like and i think that's you know if you c- can do that in a a job you know i respect some people need to be speaking to clients or whatnot but I don't like to be distracted they're distracting but they started off so um with with the right reasons the internet i really believe was designed for the right reasons it was designed to have people connect with each other and we saw a bit of that over covid it came back a little bit about to that but it's it's drifted off unbelievably far away from its purpose of connecting people to providing a platform now where people can, like you said, bully and do horrible things. And you know, just the way that the adverts are designed now it's really, you know, what chance, you know, it's hard enough as an adult to get the the healthy balance, right? What chance have you got as a young child in year six with a phone that's too smart for you, targeting you, you know, no it's too, temp- too tempting. So my thoughts are to just not have the temptation if possible but it's it's you know it's a hard thing to do when you have a partner and they you know they want to be in contact with you and i'm expecting a child in october for the first time and oh congrats and i thank you i feel like i've found the way around it which is to get the watch just to don't have the phone and just have yeah the watch and it's not too distracting so i'm experimenting with that at the moment but just going back to what you said about young people and phones and social media it's a really tough thing for me and actually probably the hardest part of my job is that I am expected to uh, manage my social media and part of my job is to use the exposure and the channels I have down that way but uh, it's definitely an ongoing battle for me to 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 manage how I feel about it and, and how much I'm expected to do on it and I I think that I think there'll be a lot of of data and things come out in the, in the near future about the the effects on people that overusing these um, platforms will have uh,
0: uh yeah absolutely i think that the, the data's already there and things i think it's one of those things you i think as humans like especially in this you know this day and age but even when i was younger and things it's it's something i've been thinking about a lot like I think we need those moments of like stillness. We need we need to be bored sometimes because it makes yeah, us yeah. be like, let's go and do something, whether it's actually yeah. maybe I will, you know, one of those kids who's bored, maybe I will go to this kite surf lesson on Saturday or like I've, I've recently um in the last couple of months, I've started doing Brazilian jitsu again and I'm like completely obsessed with it and I'm doing private lessons every day and I'm like, uh, you know, and one of the things I think I love about it is that there is no opportunity at all for me to check my phone.
1: Yeah, totally. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, we're lucky with the sports that we're passionate about that they already are times where, you, you know, obviously you can take a watch out with you, but you, you generally usually associate those sports with time away from everything, not just social media, but just away from, you know, all the hassles of life. Now, my other passion, which is very big passion, you've got jujitsu. I love playing golf, so I play golf, yeah, a lot, and I find that it's four hours of complete time without anything going on and that's i think you have to find those things in life to to to, you know for your own health and well-being to be honest
0: do you um do you take your would would you take your phone out on the golf course with you or anything or do you just take a little nokia
1: no never take any phone out with me on the golf course and it really winds me up when people are interacting if i see someone interacting with their phone on the first tee box i know i'll beat them straight away i know they're just too they're not they're not in a game you know yeah i I find it very rude for people to have a phone going off but in in general i actually find it very rude at dinner now Uh, it's just it's just become a normal thing that people can pull a phone out and i just can't believe can't get my head around how that's okay for someone to just almost turn off you know you can see someone just turn off and it's something i struggle with like i guess i look at my age i'm 36 and i and I do remember a long part of my life without phones and internet and Facebook. And I, I'm so glad I witnessed them times.
0: Yeah.
1: So happy I got to have half my life almost with and half with that's becoming more actually with now as I get older, but you know, up to, up to 15, there was none of that. And it was, it was incredible. I really am glad I got to see that, you know, cause some kids will never get to see that now.
0: Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the really terrifying thing is like, what, what, what kind of adults is it going to breed having being born with it? And literally, you know, from the age of nine, 10 years old, you've got your own, you've got your own one of these that, as you said, that's a really great thing you said actually is it's literally smarter than you.
1: Yeah. It knows, you know, I'm no saint. I go on an iPad and we'll go on my Instagram. I'll scroll through stuff. I don't want to, I didn't pick up the iPad to do that. It's crazy how this stuff has been designed that you can't, you know it's really it's, just, it's, te- it's unbelievable a big passion of mine is to maybe get some you know really awareness towards this sort of stuff you know i, don't, I just don't like how it just sort of just carries on like it's normal and whatnot you know i, I went to watch an england game the other day in a pub i couldn't order a beer because i didn't have a phone i had a right old argument with guy oh, yeah. because i didn't have the app and i i managed to, it was illegal what they were doing you know i was able to eventually use a credit card or a debit card and pay at the bar but they were not happy and i was like you're you know you're you're persecuting me here like as if you have to have a phone what what does an old person do they yeah. don't have a phone they want to do how, how, it was unbelievable i couldn't believe what was happening <laughs> yeah especially but,
0: yeah. yeah especially if they've been closed for this long it's like i, I literally want to give you money like you know yeah. i want and to give. I get you. it
1: they, they wanted me to use the app so that it was you know totally covid sort of, you know, fun and all that but i was like come on like there are people like you know like why don't you use one of the, your friends phone at the table and they love that my friends because i'm obviously the wind up that doesn't have the phone and i was like look that they haven't given me permission i just stopped it right like, they won't give me permission <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> i didn't have to use their phone and put all my credit card details into their phone but that's a whole nother podcast i could talk for ages about that
0: <laughs> no no yeah it, it is it is something it, it's something actually i found Accidentally, every time the last sort of four or five guests, every time we've spoken about social media and just the the, the devastating effect it's just going to have on people's mental health and how yeah. it, it, you know.
1: I mean, you have to, you know, as an athlete with responsibilities and stuff. I, I think I'd like to add that there are positives too. Absolutely, and you can inspire people, and that's where I would, you know, when I am spending time on those platforms, which I'm expected yeah. to as a professional athlete they're the sorts of things I want to be doing and not just, but you know, I don't really post many stories and things that that's a bit too fast paced for me, but maybe that's my age coming through.
0: (laughs) No, but I mean, there's, there's certain, um, there's certain athletes in other sports that that's almost become their brand. You look at like John, John Florence and things, and he doesn't share anything. And that's become, I was listening to a, a podcast, a surfing podcast about it the other day. That was really interesting and talking about how the different athletes use their social media. And some of them are, all over it, literally, you know, mm-hmm. hundreds of stories a day. And, and then you've got someone like John John, where almost that kind of mysticism of like, I wonder what he's up to and things like yeah. that is, is now part of his brand because he quite clearly wants nothing to do with social media, despite despite having, you know, I mean, you, you've got a large following as well, but I mean, he's got, you know, two, almost 2 million followers and things like that. And it's almost like they're following him to not find out what he's up to. It's quite, it's quite wow. interesting.
1: I didn't know that that was... Um happening yeah that's really cool i'm gonna look into him that's a nice inspiring thing to take from today because it's cool when you don't he's quite you know that whole you're right the mystery is uh, is important and probably the things he does share are really important to him you know yeah uh, big thing so that's great no i think
0: it it, and it yeah it's something interesting as well it would be interesting to see what what would happen if Imagine if you you jumped the pier for the first time like two years ago, the the difference that it, it would have had. And actually in a in an, well, yeah. a you know, say say kitesurfing hadn't advanced to, to what it is. Say kitesurfing was ten years later than it was. It would be really interesting to see what it would have been like now rather than uh i mean i'm sure you'd have gone more viral perhaps but i don't think I don't it know. would have been
1: it could have it could possibly could have gone the other way there's so much yeah. stuff grabbing everyone's attention now that maybe it wouldn't have done that you know i, I don't know it's hard to to think like that isn't it you just yeah. never know you never yeah
0: know. absolutely yeah I, yeah definitely no that's i mean that's a yeah that's a, I always tend to find a theme when I have these conversations and with, with yourself, it's definitely been kind of challenging yourself. And I think almost that in a way is you kind of challenging yourself to be like, let's see how long I can go with not having a phone, you know, let's see, <laughs> you know, trying, well, yeah, it's, I... it's, it's, it's a good, it's a good kind of challenge to have. I actually did it for a few years and then I eventually caved and realized I needed an iPhone, but, um, yeah. yeah. The
1: watch watch is, um, we were talking briefly about um, kids and phones. Now, my partner's just finishing her PGSE or whatever. It's in school stuff too, so she works with young children. Yeah. Um, And what what I've managed to get into with this watch is what they've designed for parents actually to give out to their child or their elderly relative. So in the past, your iWatch used to have to work with an iPhone but now it can work independently through something called family sharing. So she has actually got me set up off our iPhone like I'm a child or an elderly person. (laughs) So I'm using this watch, which is still got its own independence. It's my own iCloud, which is great. I can use my FaceTime and iMessage, which is the only way I communicate, to be honest. But it's really added a nice special way that perhaps um, would be a bit easier for children you know and, and elderly people to get into rather than have that you know like we said something so smart it's almost too much for them but yeah i can i can see the sense in a parent wanting to know where their child is and perhaps their child you know wanting to be able to call their parents and i think that might be quite an interesting yeah development.
0: without the Without it being tied to them going on Instagram and seeing other people and going, why don't I look like them, or why am I not, why am I not doing this or or, or that, yeah. or anything like that, you know, that's you the know, that's the you real dangerous care, bit. That's yeah, the... I mean, you,
1: you're always going to have kids look at their own mates and say that's better, but it's just you can't do too much on it. You can't scroll around on that thing, and it's got so many health benefits. It really <laughs> it really surprised me, you know, the watch because it has so much stuff about you know i do i like to do the gym and i always press golf or football whatever yeah. i'm playing and it's recording all my health stuff and my heart rate and i was like wow this thing's actually not trying to you know turn me into a worse person it's actually making me there's a lot of it designed for your health and i think yeah. that that's it that was very refreshing for me to to have like a new thing like that and be like wow this is pretty good and all i can do is facetime and iMessage message as well i can't overdo it it's pretty yeah completely good to be honest the whole package was that look, look we're going to have a child i need you to get you know a bit more on the ball here in case i need yeah. you so I, I respected that she is in another country altogether from her own country so i think that was a fair deal
0: yeah yeah you 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 you, yeah you might you crossed that line all right um and yeah. then just just before we kind of finishing up kind of carrying on what we've been talking about is with with these kind of talks you do in, in, in schools and things like that, and I know you know you're talking a lot about sustainability and things, is is this kind of social media thing it that you quite clearly have a, a you know strong opinion about and stuff, is is that something that you still bring up you bring up to the kids as well and things? Um, or yeah. are you you know, or, or is that kind of a bit of a funny, you know, you don't want to come across as being like, Get off your phones, kids kind of thing. No. You
1: know? No, I do. I totally Bring it up as a per, you know, it's not just school stuff. I've I've spoken at TEDx before, and I've spoken quite big arenas about it, and I've used um, the whole, you know, I've used pictures where crowds are just holding their phone at the people on the podium, and it's like, yeah, don't don't, don't I just don't want to, you know, I don't want people to miss out. You know, I think you got to experience stuff sometimes, and not be experiencing it through your phone so I will happily say to the kids it's, and definitely even kids getting into the sport that are looking to become something it's not all about your social media no. you know so I, I do say that to, to to my you know the people in the school assemblies and whatnot that there are plenty of other ways that you can stand out and uh, and it's almost becoming I think it's going to go full circle you know where it might be more valuable to employees or sponsors to, to be able to to present yourself in face-to-face environments rather than living it all on social media. So I do try and address that. Gambling is the other one I hate, but I think we'll have to do that another time. Yeah, yeah. No, (laughs) yeah,
0: I completely, yeah, I completely agree. I think it will be interesting to see what happens, whether it does sort of start to go almost the other way and Mm. people do start getting a bit fed up with social media and they're like, right, actually, we're not not fed up with it, but perhaps just using it slightly differently and realising that it's not the only it's not the only way. I mean, personally, for me, like I still, I still love getting a magazine and reading a magazine and reading mm-hmm. kind of these longer articles or you know things like podcasts and stuff like that. There's a lot, there's a lot more uh, cause for kind of this long form media now rather than just here's a 15 second clip of me doing this and please like it a thousand times and yeah. then in, in even Sam Light talks about this in the podcast I did with him and that's why he was saying why he prefers YouTube and all that stuff because he's mm-hmm. people actually get to know him a bit in this sort of longer form rather than just these tiny little things and you don't really get any interact there's no human contact whatsoever it's just like
1: you know it's short-lived aren't they they just come and go and they're sort of the sole purpose of a lot of what i see is to get a few likes you know and it's just uh just not my thing really
0: well it just becomes really impersonal it it stops being you know we we stop being humans on it which is which is not what we want um and that's part of the reason why i started this podcast because i just wanted to to kind oh, of talk, wow. talk to people yeah. you know like it's, yeah. it you know it was that's why it's called the after hours lounge i want the after hours lounge to be a physical location one day it's like a pub you know people come and you yeah. you sit and you, wow, yeah. and you you talk you know yeah um so couple of couple of quick fire questions just to kind of finish off then uh lewis um obviously
1: hot, Tottenham
0: Hotspur. Tottenham Hotspur. No, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, okay. <laughs> one, one. Lewis, I'm Scottish. I'm Scottish, so we're not talking about football today. Okay, fair
1: enough. <laughs> I wanted you to win, by the way. I was one of those people that get, you know, I'm not half like that. And my partner's a McDonald, so she's got relatives from Scotland, long way down the line. Yeah. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. Like, I met a lot, a lot of people I met in Cape Town actually are like, no, we're Scottish. You know, it's it's. Oh, the, they've, the, they've all
1: got, they've all got British passports somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: somewhere down the line. Um, where, where is, obviously we've, you know, we've been, been stuck, uh, stuck in our houses and stuff a lot over the last year. Where, where is your, is your happy place? You click your fingers right now. Where, where are you?
1: Um, (laughs) I'm either kite surfing or I'm on the golf course or in the garden. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love, I love being in the garden. In the gardening is very, very therapeutic. Kite surfing, if I'm kiting for me, is my own time but I obviously juggle that with coaching and competing and whatnot and it can be related to work but completely out of work is working in the garden and on a golf course
0: yeah nice um part of part of this podcast actually you know as i've just said you know i eventually want it to be a like a like a bar and a pub part of it actually started was was kind of always drinking a few beers and while we had the conversation then obviously covid started and i couldn't chat to people in person that's kind of gone out the window and um, I've actually almost stopped drinking over the last few months. But are you a uh, are you a beer man? what's your What's your favourite What's your favourite beer? What's the the lager of choice? Uh, uh,
1: it has to be five percent. I've got a thing about that. should Should be minimum five percent. That's not oh, really to indicate, That's not to indicate I'm a massive caner because I don't <laughs> drink. Like, I go I go through stages where if I want to get fit, I'll do two or three months off the beers. You know, like, and I don't drink loads anyway. But a nice beer, I do like a brew dog beer right any of those are pretty good I like the elvis juice one of that but it's summer with all the football and it's very easy to it's who your circles are it's easy to have a beer right now but if i want to be serious about my training cape town king of the air and stuff i just turn the beers off i don't have an yeah. addiction problem yeah. with it so i'd go with brew dog to answer that question yeah. any, no. any of those
0: yeah good um and then and then finally uh i am a what you would call a closet nerd uh, despite the surfboards behind me and the windsurfing and everything like that, I live for Star Wars, Lord of the Rings, all that sort of stuff. So um, oh, wow. no, okay. I'm a I'm a real I'm a real movie man as well. I like my films. So what have you been? Um, are, you, are you the same? You, have you been? What have you been watching over over lockdown? What 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 have you been binging? <sighs>
1: what, uh, or are you, you are you what? not
0: are you not much of? a Sounds
1: very sounds very cliche, but I don't really watch lots of TV. I watch right. all the football. I love football. I, I'm you know I, I still believe I might make it as a professional football player one day <laughs> I still I play twice a week and I, I I find that the true test of my fitness is how well I play in my games <laughs> like, yeah. it's crazy but um so I watch all the football have we really watched any I can't think of anything that I've watched lately that's been a series oh well, I did Call of Duty that was quite fun um but to touch on my nerd side as you were very open about that yeah. I like to play online gaming very occasionally and we play Battle for Middle Earth 2, which oh, is man. all around. We play that and uh, if you ever want to play with us, but it's eight players going on all the time and it's something that people don't really expect of me when I walk up at the football pitch. And they're like, <laughs> he plays that too? I'm like, yeah, I am yeah. trained in that. A housemate trained me when, in my time where I stayed. <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my that's my little nerdy side, I guess.
0: Battle for Middle Earth too. That's the that's the one yeah that's not the War of the Ring one that's the other one isn't it that's yes
1: it's Lord of the Rings it's all the characters you'd know very well (laughs) yeah we (laughs) now play Rise Rise of the Witch King we've moved on to the next edition oh
0: sick but they're still very
1: old games you know we're talking games that are like you know 10-15 years old or something I don't know
0: yeah I played them I played them as I remember like I have these weird memories of like the first time I ever really drank beer was like I was around my mate, still one of my best friends now, Cameron. Uh, and I was at his house and we were like, we'll just have a couple of beers and play like that and Rome Total War and stuff. And we ended yeah, up <laughs> his computer all night. So yeah, I've got some very fond memories of that game.
1: Well, the, the old days would be on a 56k dial-up modem where I was blocking the whole house from being <laughs> on the phone trying to play, actually it was Age of Empires when I was at, high school you know going way back in the year 2000s i think it it's just (laughs) lovely to be able to do that these days and it not on the internet not stop and stuff so yeah and it connects you to people too. this and there's definitely some fun that's come out of the internet too in online gaming in a a healthy dose can be what some people need to i respect that
0: yeah absolutely well i mean that's a that's as good a message as any to um, to kind of wrap up on. So um, I know you, you typically at the end of this, I'll usually ask where, where people can find you, Lewis, if they're interested in, in kind of following you uh, a little bit more. I understand you maybe don't use the socials that much, but you've still got them. Um, so where yeah, where, where can people where can people find find you online?
1: Um, well, if, if people want to find me online, you could just find my website. Yep. That's kind of a good representation of what I'm all about, which is lewiscrathen.com. Um, I am on Instagram Facebook I think that's on its way out you know I get the feeling Facebook might be on its way out I'm on them two platforms but actually if you really wanted to find me in person which I uh, hope you'd want to do for the right reasons um, I would be (laughs) on the beach at Lansing or Goring uh, depending on the tides if it's windy they're my two home spots and I love talking with anyone and anybody so feel free to come over and have a chat
0: yeah, absolutely. Well, yeah, um, and as I said, guys, uh, I'll have Lewis's website in the show notes um, at the bottom on either Spotify or Apple wherever you're listening. So make sure you check out what uh, what Lewis does. Um, you can also find me on Instagram at the After Hours Lounge. Please give me a follow there, or you can follow on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, please leave me a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. I'm still hunting whoever left that one star review, you little. <laughs> I'll find you one day. Um, but yeah, other, other than that, yeah, please, please do leave a review and please be nice. Um, if you want to donate to the podcast as well, guys, as I said, I am in this for the, uh, the outcome, not the income, but the income always helps. Um, you can, um, you can donate, uh, to the podcast via the link in my bio on Instagram, uh, as well. Uh, thank you very much to Lewis for coming on. Thank you for your time. Um, thank you very much to you guys for listening. Hope you've enjoyed. Um, and we will see you for the next one.
1: Bye.